This is the Shift Podcast. Today on the Shift Daily Podcast, researchers have found the mother load of shipwrecks. Shipwreck expert and diver Guillaume Corsi helps us understand how researchers discovered the long-lost HMS Endurance in the Arctic, how it was so well-preserved out of the ice, and so much more. Uh, on the Millennial on the Radio with Ryan O'Donnell, he tells us about how someone lost a whole bunch of money thanks to Tom Brady ending his retirement. Remember, a couple of months ago, he was going to retire. Somebody invested in something, and then he was coming out of retirement. Plus, a look at the long-awaited return of the very famous Jedi to Star Wars. Plus, are you okay with kids' books and so much more on the Shift Daily Podcast? This is the Shift Podcast. Are you okay with Ryan O'Donnell is here? Brendan Kelly is here. I'm Shane Hewitt. Are you okay with kids' books? I like kids' books. Yeah, they're amazing. My favorite was absolutely Captain Underpants. And uh, it was tied between Captain Underpants and the perilous plot of Professor Poopy Pants and Captain Underpants and the big bad battle of the bionic booger boy. Those two are the wow, first comic I books was, I ever read. Those, uh, those bodily things really, really they important were, in your childhood. They were, so, they were so silly. They were funny, right? It just kind of... When I was a kid, I didn't really want to read books because I thought books were lame. And then I see this beautifully drawn comic book and it's like objectively silly. And then it's a heartfelt story of friendship around a ridiculous concept. And I, I love those books immensely. And the movie they made on them was actually surprisingly very good, too. Hmm. BK? Yeah, I mean, as a child, I used to love to read the existential philosophy of Jean-Paul Sartre. And, uh, okay, no, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Well, it's, it's funny that you, you say that, because one of the texts came in, it was The God Beneath the Sea by Leon Garfield. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. Which is, uh, I don't think that's the kids' books. Uh, I mean, it is technically children's literature. Mm -hmm. um, but, I don't know, maybe the one. Maybe it depends on the age. I don't think we're talking, like, it's. we're not talking green eggs and ham, you know? Spot yeah. the puppy. Yeah, no, I read a lot of Berenstein Bears. I read those. Berenstein yeah. Bears. I like the Berenstein yeah, Bears. I like them. Yeah, they're fun. Yeah. All right. Are you okay with kids' books? Uh, former assistant principal Toby Price's favorite book is called "I Need a New Butt," and unfortunately, Thanks. that book just got him fired. My boss had asked me to set up a Zoom um, with the second grade classes and the principal at the school they're going to be at next year, and she was going to read to them. And she didn't show. My boss told me, go ahead and read. Um, I grabbed one of my favorite books that I had nearby. I read it to him. It's a funny, silly book. Price says he's read this book at previous school districts before, but never had any pushback or complaints. I didn't think twice about reading it because I've never had an issue reading it before. There are other books that have much more suggestive material that are much more widely accepted. According to Price's termination letter from the superintendent of the Hines County School District, Price showed, quote, a lack of professionalism and impaired judgment, end quote, by picking the book. And for those reasons, he is fired. Three on your side asked the school district for a statement about Price's firing, but the superintendent declined to comment. I just think that, you know, this was a pretty harsh reaction. I've been in education for 20 years. I've never had a disciplinary anything put in my file, not even for being late. So... I was blown away. In response to Price's situation, children's book authors, teachers, and librarians have messaged and posted on social media stating that the book is, quote, hilarious and sweet, joyful and fun, and lighthearted, end quote, and that the superintendent's decision was wrong. Now, Price is hoping to overturn their decision, get his job back. 
I always liked the story of Jack and the Beanstalk. That was a good one. I mean, that's no, yeah. um, you know, that's no, I need a new butt, but. Just do squats. <laughs> There's lots Lunge. of books. Lunges. Yeah. That's how you get a new butt. I, when I was in school, I had a, a book called Attack of the Flying Butts. And it was literally hmm. a story about a kid whose butt leaves him and tries to destroy the world. Hmm. In I school. Need a New Butt is written by Don, Mc, uh, Don McMillan, described as a children's book. In it, a young child tries to find a new butt after he discovers his butt has a huge crack. Um, will he choose an armor-plated butt, a rocket butt, a robot butt? Find out in this quirky tale of a tale, which features hilarious rhymes and delightful illustrations. Mm. Weird. Uh, children and parents will love this book. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. <laughs> so, asked oh, if uh, the, the vice principal... You know, if we would do it all over again, here's the answer. If you don't let kids see funny and silly books, they're not going to stick around long enough to find out that books can be other things than funny and silly. You know, you have to hook them with the funny and silly stuff. And that's what, you know, I've always done. That's what this book was for. I need a new butt. Is that really so bad? I mean, most of these kids are probably on Instagram using filters to make themselves look older and, and everything. Anyway, uh, Mr. Price is going to appeal his termination at a hearing scheduled up here for about a week uh, from now, where he's going to apply, appeal his um, his termination over, I need a new butt. Um, anyone remember the Hardy Boys? Oh, that's good. Um, it's a little bit older, I suppose. 877-399-9898. What, are your, what is your favorite childhood book, whether you read it or it was yours to be read to? Um Text it in. We want to know. We'll get to those here when we are finished. We got a couple more here. Are you okay with customizing cars? Oh no. Yeah. What? No. Yeah, devalues really? the car. Yeah. Oh, value, value, schmalu. I want a souped-up <laughs> car. When I buy my Nissan GTR, it is going to be a iconic vehicle. Like Batman would want to drive my car. It's going to look so awesome. Mm-hmm. Nissan GTR. It's $120,000 starting for the cheapest So one. value schmalu. Who cares? Yeah. It's cut off. It's the not going anywhere. You're at it, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. $120,000. Uh, BK, you know, you were always very responsible in your Volkswagen. Mm-hmm. Uh, would you ever, uh, you know, drop it low? No. No, I, I wouldn't. No, I don't mind if people want to do this. By all means, go ahead. I'm a free spirit. Do what you want. But I would never do it. No, silly. <laughs> do what you want. You're dumb, but do what you want. Yeah, there should be no I, law um, against being dumb. I will never buy a car that has anything customized on it because that means that somebody probably did it themselves. So for me, no, I wouldn't. I would never touch it. Now, if you were going to buy a car that was your dream car, and you were going to completely trick it out and make it be amazing and customize it, do it all professionally, and do all that stuff where it becomes a show car or whatever, because it's like the car. Absolutely, I'm all for it. You give her. But if you're going to, you know, put rims on it and take out the wheel fenders and, you know, inside the wheel wells and everything else, so your new rims fit and all that junk, yeah, no way. Low rider kits, very nice on some cars. Uh, can't, daily drivers, I don't think so. Neon lights, spoilers, LED lights in the bottom. Terrible mufflers, no mufflers for that matter. Um, you can also do some real custom, uh, simple customizations too, which is the vanity plate. Mm-hmm. I have had one of those in the past. My parents bought me one as a gift. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. 
Some people like to have fun with vanity plates. The DMV in North Carolina has called the fun police, though, taking away a woman's vanity plate that simply says, I want a new butt. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, it says fart. F-A-R-T. Well, this story uh, came uh, on Jimmy Kimmel's show. I submitted it, and then much to my surprise, a couple weeks later, it went out to the mailbox, and there it was. I was so excited. And here it yeah, is. Oh, look at it. It's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, Carly Cindy of Asheville says the DMV approved the plate and then sent her a letter saying they got some complaints about it. They offered her a chance to explain why the plate had personalized meaning for her. She and some online commenters came up with a shell organization, Friends of Asheville Recreation Trails, or FART, <laughs> yeah, saying it was an acronym. In the end, the agency revoked the plate saying it was part of their do not issue list and was released on accident. Uh, can we talk about released on accident as a thing that people say, first of all? Yeah, sure. <laughs> Well, that's, uh, I mean, some farts are released on accident. <laughs> oh, <laughs> especially as you get older. Very good. Oh, man. Okay. Um, so, what if your last name is Fart, though? Like, if you are Mr. Fart. There's not. Legitimately. That's, that's not a human. No one's Mr. Fart. That's not a name. No, but there are people that have names like that. Yeah. Like straight up F A R T, like full on fart. Yeah. Probably. I said that. Cut that audio out. Um, but like if, if you're literally like if your name is something that is weird then or that could be taken as offensive can't you put your name on on the back of the car if it's legitimately your name if you were mr fart i don't know i know a couple of people they got bad like weird last names and um you know and that they they were allowed i just i don't think mr fart i don't think i don't know i don't think that name exists it has to. Know, maybe Bart uh, Simpson would fight for the right for someone to have that last name so that he wouldn't yeah. have to make prank calls. They would be real calls. Believe mm, in something, right now. Believe there's someone out there named Mr. Fart. Got to be. Anyway, uh, that story was from ABC 11. There are more than 9,000 personalized plates already banned in North Carolina. 9,000. Hmm. Probably gets into the, like when people use the number four. Stuff like that, you know, when they get into those strange spelling things. I don't know. Are you... Oh, I'd see. I, why not? What's the matter with fart? Of all the no. words, is fart really the word that's really so bad for a license plate? It would just make everybody giggle when they drive by. And that, that would brighten my day, for sure. I think it's a beautiful, the, poetic plate. The best one I ever saw was in Calgary. I saw it on the back of a Jeep. I remember where I was. I was on Crochow Trail. And the license plate was license plate. <laughs> Direct. It was very good. It was very good. I you, that's you listening. I acknowledge you and your creativity. Are you okay with Popeyes? Yeah. Good sandwiches. Good chicken. I like the KFC good seasoning. Good candy way cigarettes. Better, Very good candy cigarettes. Oh, yeah, definitely. Could you? They would never do that nowadays. Cigarettes for That'd kids? Great. You like, can still get them. How big was the tobacco lobby back then? You're training kids to like <laughs> That's a life exactly of smoking. Like, they don't wow. call them candy cigarettes, though, anymore. 
called something. No, else. I think they're just sugar sticks. They weren't. Yeah. They weren't candy cigarettes when I was a kid. But I remember eating those, especially on Halloween. I remember ones that you used to like. You could make smoke come out of, but it was just like the powder. Mm. Yeah, the powder. So, yeah. I remember those. Oh, that's a long time ago. Yeah, uh, I remember. I remember when we were kids, and we would go and we'd get the pack of Popeye smokes, and you'd put them in your po- like your pocket and your shirt pocket on the front. You walk around with your Popeye smoke hanging out of your mouth, but you wouldn't leave it hanging out of your mouth, you know, too long because they tasted too good. So you weren't gonna, you know. Anyway, uh, not that Popeyes, the uh, the other Popeyes, the new Popeyes. They do make pretty tasty fried chicken, and they do make a lot of chicken dishes. Down in the United States, Americans consume over nine billion chickens a year. It's safe to assume Popeyes is a big contributor to that number, of course. They have spared one particular chicken, though, who decided to roost right beside a Popeyes in Louisiana. Ordering a three-piece combo from this Popeyes on Gauls Boulevard in Slidell. How may I help you? Comes with a free side of this. He'll go around to the front door and look around. General Manager Muhassan Shepard. He'll go around to the uh, window, the drive through window, and just look. Says this rooster showed up the day after Hurricane Ida and never left leaving employees scratching their heads. Where did the chicken come from? Who have chickens around? So we like looked around the neighborhood and they was like, it's not our chicken. Instead of shooing him away, employees named him Rocco and built him a coop. You can't miss it in the drive-thru. It's a little funny. We uh, wonder if he's gonna disappear one day. While his fellow fowl are served up mild and spicy on the inside, Rocco serves up smiles to customers who are now flocking to see him. Like when I have my grandson, I'll roll down the window. I'm like, look at the chicken. We come, we come by and see him all the time when we get our chicken. We'd rather come here. And it's like he know we're watching him. It's like he, he want everybody to come see him. Look at my feathers. Listen to me crow. <laughs> Uh, the store's manager told for WWK, we've actually been increasing sales and business, so you know, meeting a lot of new friends just to come in and see Rocco, the rooster. The store mascot has such a hit, even folks show up and they feed him too, almost like the cow at Chick-fil-A, but the complete opposite. Exactly the same, but different, said one customer. I was in McDonald's in Hawaii, and um, and there was a chicken walking through the drive-thru, which is not unheard of in Hawaii, but when you're ordering chicken fingers... You're like, sorry, buddy. <laughs> Going to do it anyway. And you order your chicken fingers. This is the Shift Podcast. We shared with you the news last week about this amazing boat that was found in some very, very cold water. And uh, it was such a great story. We've chatted about shipwrecks in and around Canada. Uh, Guillaume Corsi joins us here um, from Kingston area to talk about more shipwrecks and uh, all of the things. Guillaume, exciting time for you in your shipwreck-loving diving self, I would imagine, last week? Yes. Um, basically, when that came out, that was pretty impressive. Obviously, it's way below uh, the distance that we can go down as normal divers. Uh, but obviously, we have researchers that have robots and, and you know, ROVs that can go down that deep. But it is pretty impressive. Uh, the HMS Endurance, 
uh, was about 100 years ago that it sank. And when we talked before, we shared that previous conversation last week here on The Shift, Guillaume, and we talked about these these boats in the Great Lakes and these boats in the St. Lawrence and all these different things around Canada. You remember when you had shared with me about how cold the water is and how that helps? Yes. This particular boat with the um, Endurance, this is uh, extremely cold. And it was very evident in the videos from the, the, the robots underneath the water how impeccable it was uh, f- for the condition it was in. Indeed. Um, so down there, the water is, is salted. It's salt water, but they don't have that wood-eating parasite. So a little bit like we have here in Kingston uh, or the Great Lakes where it's fresh water. So that parasite is not there. So the wood, whether it was down in, in, in Antarctic or here, it, basically the wood is protected. It's not eaten away by, by those uh, wood-eating parasites. Navigation uh, was key in this, they say. As the captain of the boat was well-known for his navigation skills, the boat was found, I think, seven miles away from the coordinates where they believed that it froze. And when you think about ice and moving ice, that's pretty remarkable, that, that radius when you go shipwreck diving, whether that is, you know, I mean, you obviously with your business uh, in and around Kingston and all those, but shipwreck divers, you know, these coordinates, that's that's usually the problem, isn't it? Is, you know, it's a bit of a needle in a haystack scenario of just trying to find anything. Indeed. Um, and, and reading on the story, that's where it was even more impressive. Um, so for the endurance, yes, the captain and his navigator, uh, basically the only way they were doing it is by hand. It's like using a sextant and, and basically um, uh, watching the stars, doing calculation and then using a chronometer um, and reading more on the history of finding it. Uh, basically, they were realizing that they had a little bit of offset and some errors in their calculation. But even then, even with this, um, they were pretty you know accurate in their findings. So you know, 100 years ago, they didn't have GPS. And even with GPS, we sometimes have errors in our coordinates. Um, a lot of the wrecks here found in Kingston, a lot of them were found by mistake um, and way back when in the 60s and the 70s. Um, the, the pioneers of diving in Kingston, uh, a lot of them, they were just, you know, guesstimating it. And that's how they found their, their, their wrecks. How many, if we, if we look around Canada, and I realize, I mean, your focus obviously is St. Lawrence and Kingston and all that, um, but how, like, how many undiscovered, I don't know, like, throw a number out there. Like, are we talking hundreds of boats that we have no idea even where they are or what happened to thousands of boats? You know, what, what are we looking at here? Because, I mean, even in the Great Lakes, there's probably hundreds. Yes. Um, I mean, the numbers vary a lot between, uh, depending on who you which person you read on about. And, you know, anywhere between, you know, they say three to 4,000 to eight to 9,000 shipwrecks in the entire Great Lakes area. So, so that is right there. That's a lot of, of, of the difference in the numbers. Um, in the Kingston area, uh, some of the things I read is 100 to 200 wrecks. What uh, I know of, you know, in the 50s. Um, so it, it, and again, some of them, I have coordinates, but I've never went. So I don't even know if it's true. So I have a lot of discovering to do, uh, not that I will discover something that is lost, but, uh, sometimes also is it's the, I'd say the 
uh, the memory gets lost. People have information about Rex that uh, was not you know, properly uh, you know, consigned down. And then eventually the, um, you know, those, those grids get lost. Um, so it's, sometimes it's just to re- rediscover something that was already known way back when um, to find them again. Is it a race now? I mean, we're looking at what's been happening down in, um, you know, with with HMS Endurance. You talk about that, the parasites, the salt water, the cold water. Um, that uh, has a big impact, of course, because especially down in the Antarctic where they were, you know, there isn't anything really happening underwater either. It's not like it's a shipwreck in a channel or a river uh, like the St. Lawrence where there are there's constantly big boats moving. Right. That's just disturbances, mm-hmm. uh, people living close by, maybe pollution as well. There's all kinds of things that keep that safe. Yes. But most places where the, the ships go down, if you look at Great Lakes and all those, I mean, is it a race at this point to try to discover them? What, what do you divers really, really look for? Um, well, one of the things here is that um, there's no treasure hunting here. Um, in Canada and the Great Lakes, you know, we have... There's laws protecting the wrecks. So at the end of the day, even when you find it, at the end of the day, it's, it's protected. You're, you're not allowed to remove anything. So they're protected under you know, a bunch of, of laws and acts that prevent you from removing anything. And that being said, if a wreck has not been found yet, um, but a lot of people are searching for it, um, you know, there could be the, the, the attraction of, you know, being, being the founder of it and then get a little bit of the fame from it. Um, there is something about the Avro, um, you know, the Avro models that are, are you know, being searched right now. So is it a race? Uh, I mean, again, everybody, I guess, wants to have their little 15 minutes of fame and, and try to find them first. Um, so they can, so they can claim they, they're, the, they're the founders of it. Um, but at the end of the day, then, it's going to stay there. Um, it's not going to be removed. It's not going to be unless they have the proper paperwork. They have all the proper, you know, with, with underwater archaeologists. Because if something has been down there for 50 or 100 years, uh, removing it uh, requires a whole bunch of, of you know, uh, special protections. So because as soon as you remove them from the water, then it's going to start to decay uh, very quickly. And then you just may lose that, that treasure. Let's talk about um, let's talk about diving around Kingston. Uh, Guillaume Corsi is is a diver, and he's co-owner with Neptune and Silesia Diving. Um, and you can go and you can dive and whatever you can do, you can go for a nice little swim in the water with, <laughs> with Guillaume and all those things. What what what's the appeal, Guillaume? I mean, I did it in a resort. I did uh, you know some classes just to see what it was like to breathe underwater and and all of those things. I mean, what what's the magic appeal for you? Uh- for me, it's uh, even though I dive open circuit, which means that uh, uh, basically I have tanks on my back and I inhale, and when I breathe, the bubbles come out. So that's what we call an open circuit. And in comparison to a rebreather, which recirculates your, your air and filters it, uh, a CCR or a, basically a rebreather, um, a closed circuit will be quiet. You know, there's no bubbles coming out. And so in comparison, an open circuit is noisy in the sense that, you know, fish will hear you coming, fish will go away. But even then, even that small, small noise of, you know, uh, breathing, you know, breathing in, bringing out, hearing your bubbles, 
that's the only thing you hear. So for me, it's a very soothing, uh, relaxing. And the fact that you are basically weightless, the weightlessness is, is something also different. So it's, it, it's almost like spacewalking. Hmm. Do divers, do divers go back to the same place again and again and again, or yeah. do you guys always look for the next trip? Um, well, I mean, I'm here and I feel that I am in my own little paradise of diving. Uh, my favorite type of diving is shipwreck diving. Um, and I guess that's the main attraction here in the Great Lakes is uh, we don't have corals. The, 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 the underwater life is not as varied and colorful as you would see in the Pacific or the Atlantic, like in the Bahamas. Um, that being said, because of the cold water, because of the fresh water, uh, those wrecks are preserved very well. So for me, yes, I love to go back on the wreck because especially if it's big, I don't have a whole lot of time necessarily to discover everything. So when now I'm, I'm afforded the luxury of being able to go back over and over and over. So then I can focus my, my research on in, in, in basically my discovery of, of a wreck, like very small parts at a time. And sometimes you see details that you've dove there tens and tens of times but then you'll see a, a small object or you'll see, you know, a porthole. There's a wreck called a Cornwall and it's actually a steel hull boat, um, paddle boat, uh, but they have, they still have portholes. And now when divers come on our boat, I tell them, try to find the portholes. There's at least seven, you know, so try to find them all. So that's all. There's always something interesting to see. Absolutely fascinating. If you want to learn more about it, you can just check out the website. It's in English and in French, which is convenient for uh, you. Neptune and Silesia Diving. It's just Neptune Silesia. Am I saying Silesia right? Silesia.com. Silesia. Okay, cool. Uh, so NeptuneSilesia.com if you want to do it. Um, S-A-L-A-C-I-A.com uh, there in Kingston. And hey, look, summertime's coming. I don't know how much diving you do in uh, March, Guillaume. I'm guessing it's not a ton. Uh, right now it's iced up, so we're taking a little break, but I dove in February under the ice. Right now the ice is thinning out, so we're waiting for it to break away and go away. But yeah, as soon as it's open, I'll go in. Isn't that cold? Like the, the dry suits still get leaked in water, don't they? No, no. A dry suit, well, I mean, if it's well-fitting, there's no, there's, no, uh, there's no holes or anything. No, it's, it keeps you dry. Water never goes under zero because then it's ice. Uh, and it's nothing worse than skiing downhill at minus 20 on a you know, alpine skiing. So. Really? I don't know, man. I got to take your word for it. <laughs> <laughs> it's coming. It's coming out after it's harder sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. It bet. It's like when you get out of the, the hot tub in the middle of winter and your shorts are hanging down and your shorts freeze. <laughs> it's the worst. Yes, Definitely. <laughs> Absolutely. Guillaume, great to see your face. Thanks for being here, man. I Thank you so much for the insights. Thank you very much, Shane. This is The Shift Podcast. The millennial on the radio, it's Ryan O'Donnell. Thank you. Well, uh, millennials, you know, Fries are done. we've grown up with a uh, a lot of sports icons over the years. Probably mm. uh, the most recognizable have been in, you know, basketball, 
you know, Sidney Crosby and, uh, and then this guy. And uh, in case you didn't hear it, I have fantastic news if you are a Tampa Bay Buccaneer fan and mm. um, absolutely terrible news for everyone else. No, 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 no. Not what's happened. He's back. He's back. Tom Brady. Back. Tom Brady is back. Uh, Just going to be up. Didn't that last long? No. No, no, that didn't take a lot. Just in case you forgot, he retired like, earlier this year. And he didn't even do like a Michael Jordan thing. You know, you miss like a season or two. And then you come back, you go do play another sport and, you know, try some new things. He, this man lasted less than like six months and went, mm, they couldn't even do a season without me. I'm coming back. Let's let's hear more on Tom Brady's return is going to be a story that is going to dominate the next couple days or so. Tom Brady making it official with this tweet. These past two months, I've realized my place is still on the field and not in the stands. That time will come, but it's not now. I love my teammates and I love my supportive family. They make it all possible. I'm coming back for my 23rd season in Tampa. Unfinished business. I, th- I think it's probably safe to say that Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback to ever play football. Mm-hmm. Um, he holds almost every single record. He's won the most amount of Super Bowls. He has never had a losing season. Um, and he is 44 years old. He's, yeah, he's 44 years old. Um, insane, an insane record. And while I personally don't like, the Buccaneers or the Patriots. Uh, I think he's good for the sport of football. I think he's got an icon, you know, he's a, he's a great mentor and I think it's cool to see icons continue to play for as long as they can. I do think it's just a little funny that he made a big deal about retirement when he clearly had not made his mind up and now he's coming back. You see, the problem with that though, is that this announcement of his return to the NFL happened literally just a few hours after Somebody bid more than $500,000 on the football with which Tom Brady threw his, finger quotes, final career touchdown pass. How much? $500,000. Oh, my God. So, you you know, you think I'm funny for spending $900 on some Lego. How much do you think that's actually worth now? How much do you think that 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 football would actually be worth if it wasn't his final touchdown well, it was expected to go for a million dollars, interestingly enough, and it did not. Uh, but I would say the value's definitely gone down. There's some novelty of it, but I would say the value's gone down. I'd say maybe like, I actually, I, I, I'm not the bright person to ask, honestly. I have no idea what Tom Brady merchandise is. You know, if you wanted to buy an autographed Michael Jordan uh, jersey, that's $45,000 at least, right? So I would imagine with that ball probably in at least like 50, 60, but not $500,000. That was for when he, uh, 55 yards to Mike Evans in the Bucks loss to the Rams for their divisional uh, qualifier uh, before the Super Bowl. Bidding started at 100 grand, but yeah, he's back. Uh, Their Super Bowl odds improved by, I think, 1,200 the second he signed back with them. That's wow. still how inf- how influential and important Tom Brady is. Do I think he's going to win another Super Bowl? 
I honestly can't say no. I can't. I didn't think he'd win one with the Bucks, and here we are. So yep. that's just Tom Brady, though. How much did they pay him, though? That's what I want to know. Ooh, I don't know. A lot. It's not like he needs the money, uh, but he'll take it for sure, and he's going to make it. Absolutely. What about Gronk? Was there any news about Gronkowski coming back? Yep. I did not see anything about Gronk, but I imagine Gronk will come back. Gronk's going to go wherever Tom Brady goes. Yeah. He's I already talked to him to out of retirement once. So Exactly. And he'll <laughs> probably do it again. Tom Brady's going to be playing football. Like, when I retire, Tom Brady will still be playing football. That's just kind of <laughs> what I've come to, it's come to understand here. Yeah. Hmm. So there you go. Welcome back, Tom. You were missed. Mm. Question mark. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. uh, okay, we've yeah we've got time to do this one. Uh, I haven't done this in a while. Uh, that's because uh, Twitter has been a bit of a more serious place lately with everything happening in Ukraine. Uh, however, I have been following a page for a while now. This guy's entire purpose was fulfilled last week in the most beautiful way possible. And yes, of course, it happened on the Twitters. It's the tweet of the day. For the past Sith months, I've been following a Star Wars page on Twitter simply called (laughs) Is the Obi-Wan trailer out? Now, if you're unfamiliar, uh, D- Disney Plus is making a miniseries on so, focused on Obi-Wan Kenobi, who's probably, I'd say, one of the, like, aside from Darth Vader and Luke Skywalker, uh, you know, he's up there with the most famous, recognizable characters in Star Wars, from old Ben in the original trilogy to Ewan McGregor playing him uh, in the prequels. Uh, he's an iconic character. People love him. And people love Ewan McGregor's performance. And this is Disney's way of kind of giving us one last hurrah with him. Hurrah. Every day. For the past two years, this guy has tweeted with an update status on if the trailer for this show is out. Tweets such as, nope, not yet, somehow no, and so on. But last week, I woke up, and the first thing I read was, I was asleep, are you effing kidding me? It's out. Yes, my friends, the first teaser for the TV show that follows Obi-Wan Kenobi Luke Skywalker's master, the first Jedi we ever see in Star Wars, and absolutely the best part of the prequels, is here, and it is gobsmacking. The Jedi Code is like an itch. He cannot help it. Where is he? I haven't been this excited for anything to do with Star Wars since episode seven. It looks stunning. Ten years after uh, Revenge of the Sith, before uh, New Hope, this is uh, Obi-Wan protecting Luke Skywalker and being hunted by Darth Vader. And yes, Hayden Christensen is back. Darth Vader is in this show. We got an image of both of them. They look stunning. This show coming out May 25th, Disney+. Plus. Small little thing. What? You haven't been this excited about anything to do with Star Wars since we talked about your new Lego. It's kind of hard for me to say that sentence because I get literally anything Star Wars, I get excited. So take that with a grain of salt. 
Thanks for listening to the Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca. 